All right. We doing good? Awesome. Okay, we're going to start right from the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 1, looking at the impact of Jesus wherever he went. And we're going to talk about one of those ways that people looked at Jesus and thought, this is different than anything we've seen before. Mark chapter 1, we're going to start with a quick intro to the Gospel of Mark. Um, he was, it was written by a guy named John Mark, um, apparently known as Mark. Um, didn't like John. Maybe there was enough Johns. He looked around and said, there's that John and the John over there and the Gospel of John, so I'm going to forge a new trail here. Um, we read about this guy, Mark, in the, in the book of Acts as one of the traveling companions with Paul. As Paul was traveling around planting churches, they mention Mark. Um, he was actually a close companion of Peter. A lot of scholars will say that Mark could be that he was following Peter as Peter was a disciple and writing down basically Peter's account of his life with Jesus. Um, it's the shortest of all the Gospels, which is not why I picked it to read through, but maybe that's why you'd like to read through it. It's the shortest one. And it gets, Mark, it's unique where this Gospel really gets down to the action, right? It's like, we got no time for this fluff. We're going to get down. It's like all the action things. And that, and it's funny how you read it, and it's like listening to a, a kid tell a story, and then this happened, and then we went here, and this happened, and then you wouldn't believe it, and this happened. It's very, it's action-packed. It's like the, it's like getting right into it like an episode of Cobra Kai. It's like right into the fighting and all the action, right? Here's one other thing I wanted to point out. It was the first gospel written. Now, why is that important? It was written probably within 20 years of all of the events. Um, a lot of scholars would say before the year 60 AD, the gospel, this gospel was written down. Now, why does that matter? Well, I know a lot of people approach the Word of God or the Bible, and they think this is just some old book of legends that somebody made up, and then, you know, they were thinking, you know, written talking about events that happened like hundreds and hundreds of years before. There are world religions in the world today where it is one man's account of something that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and that's a little harder to verify and validate, right? But this is different. I know there are people in our world that were like, well, I don't really even believe that the Bible is valid at all. Well, the fact that this gospel was written so close to the events that it's talking about really lends to its validity. This would be one of the, if you're kind of a thinker Christian where you're like, well, I just need to make sure all the facts line up and make sure it's valid and this makes sense. And this is, this is a check in that box where this wasn't something that Mark was recalling like the end of his life and like, now did that really, was there 5,000 people there? There might've been like, in our house, we have someone who will remain nameless who exaggerates the deal, the, the details of a story. And the longer it goes between when the story happened and when we tell it, I listen to the stories that Christy, t I just named her. I listen to the stories that Christy tells and the details. And I'm like, I was there. And that is nothing, that was not that many people. Or, you know, it could have been where Mark was like, it, there was nine, nine people on a hillside and they all had some bread and fish. And by the time he wrote it down, it was 5,000 and Jesus, you know, one of those things. The fact that it was written so close to the events really shows that it was, you know, he would remember these events. And not only that, he wrote it down when all the eyewitnesses and all the people in the gospel that he mentions are still alive. So if he's writing something down that isn't true, somebody could come along and be like, yeah, that's not really what happened. Or, yeah, we never really saw Jesus alive. At the, you know, if there, was a, if there was a discrepancy, it would have been very easy to invalidate that. So all of this is to just say, this can be... This can be... Um, 
validated. This is authentic. This is the real deal. This is something that, these are events that happened, written by a guy who was there, talked to the eyewitnesses, written when there was all the people still alive who could verify it. So that just want, that's a little insight into the Gospel of Mark. Again, I encourage you to read along uh, between now and Easter. But we're going to start with Mark chapter 1. He gets right into it, the, the baptism of Jesus. So he skips the whole manger. He's got no time for magi and shepherds and angels and all that stuff. Let's get right to it. So this is the baptism of Jesus that he starts talking about in Mark chapter 1. And uh, it's the first real public appearance of Jesus. This would be the first time that people are seeing, oh, there's Jesus. They wouldn't really know who he was. This was, he would be another teacher or just another uh, resident of Judea at the time, just one of the people getting in line to be baptized by John the Baptist. But this is, uh, I, I mentioned the significance of the baptism because this was a moment where Jesus, not only it's his first public appearance, but this is where he humbled himself. John the Baptist recognizes it. If you read it, he'll say, I, I should not be baptizing you. John the Baptist recognizes who Jesus is, says, you're the one who should be baptizing me. But Jesus, in an example of, you know, it was humbling for him to leave heaven and come to earth as a baby in a manger. We think about that all the time. But now he's allowing himself to be water baptized by John the Baptist. Another example of him humbling himself, recognizing he's bringing himself under the authority of God. And uh, he humbles himself. And then as, the, as he goes down into the water and comes back up, if you know the story, a dove descends from heaven. And then the heavens open and the voice of God comes down. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. That would be moment number one where people around were like, whoa. Like, we just watched eight people get baptized. The people who were out of the water, like, toweling off after getting baptized, they'd be like, that didn't happen for us. No voice from heaven came down. There's something different about this guy. Something's up with this guy who just got baptized. This is the voice of God saying, you're my son. Even though you are humbling yourself and giving the glory of heaven for coming to earth and serving I am well pleased. It, it brings to mind our memory verses that we've been memorizing, right? All of you are going to be like, of course it does, because I've been memorizing that scripture, Philippians 2, 1 through 18, right? Is that right? Did I get the? Because I have it memorized. But it's that moment where um, he didn't, even though Jesus was God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, and therefore God exalted him. This is the same thing at work. He's humbling himself. God exalts him. That's a little plug for our scripture memory. Keep going. We can memorize these things. So this is the first moment where people look at Jesus and be like, that's different. There's something different about this. Now, remember, there was other, Jesus wasn't the only rabbi. It wasn't like, oh, there's our rabbi. There were rabbis and teachers all around. There was people who were teaching. It's part of the Jewish tradition where rabbis would come and they would teach and they would get young people to follow them and they'd have their disciples. So Jesus wasn't unique in this. However, he was unique in that the heavens opened, the dove came down, the voice of heaven spoke. This was the first time that people were looking at him like, there's something up here. There's something different. So where I want to start reading today is in chapter 1, verse 21. This is as he's, after he's called his first disciples, he's got a few disciples following him. And this is what happens in verse 21. I'm going to read it. It'll be up on the screen. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So again, another moment where they're looking like, this is different. Not, this isn't like some guy who's just reciting the old prophets or the law of Moses. 
This guy's teaching like someone who has authority. Verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said, or said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed. They asked each other, what is this? Some translations say, who is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits or evil spirits, and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. We're going to stop there. Okay, so this is right, again, Mark's getting right to the action. What is it about Jesus that causes people to notice? What is it that stood out? What's the first thing? It was in those verses. We won't do a quiz, but what was the first thing they noticed? Here's someone who's teaching, but he's teaching with someone who has authority, this guy's acting like he's kind of in charge, right? He has authority. And then all of a sudden, a man with an evil spirit, a demon spirit inside of him, starts crying out and causing a disruption. And Jesus speaks, and even the demons, the evil spirits, leave this man. And, of course, that is when everyone's just like, whoa, who is this? Who is this guy? He has authority, and evil, even the evil spirits obey him. And right after this, they go to the house of Simon, who was... Peter, Simon Peter and Andrew, with the other disciples. And Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And again, they're like, whoa, what else can this guy do, right? It's almost like, well, we got we to take this guy out and see what other th tricks he can do, right? And in verse 33, it kind of culminates here, verse 33 of chapter 1. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, and get this, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is a man with authority, right? This was Jesus saying, I have authority. And people, the word spread quickly so that all, you know, if, if, if someone's he bringing healing casting out evil spirits, of course the word is going to spread. So by that night, this is like day one of Jesus' ministry. All of a sudden, everyone is gathering around Simon Peter's house. I can imagine the disciples, you know, if there was a window, you know, looking out and being like, um, we got some people here. Well, who's here? And it would probably be like, well, it looks like all of them, right? The whole town came out because word about Jesus had spread. People are looking at Jesus saying, this is different. This is different. This is Jesus operating in complete authority, in complete authority. He wouldn't even let the evil spirits speak. Have you ever been in an environment, maybe it's a room or a party or a business meeting or something, where the, the whole environment changes when someone walks in the room and you can tell, oh, they're the ones in charge, right? You've been there, right? You can walk into a room and a lot of times it's at home with the kids and the kids will be like, oh, this is fine. But then mom walks in and it's like, oh. <laughs> right. Amen. <laughs> There's been times, um, Patty, don't ask me why I thought of this when you said that, but there was times when Christy and I would lead kids ministry on Thursday nights a couple of years ago, and I would do it kind of sneaky if, if a, young, a young person was having a hard time. I'd, we'd talk to him in the hall, and I would do this super nice. I'd be like, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. Should we, do you want me to go, go get your mom so that she can come and you can talk about it? And they used to be like, mm-mm. You know, don't bring mom. <laughs> she walks in with authority. I'm not messing with that. Have you ever been in the room? You know, I love looking at room dynamics. If I'm ever in an environment, I love room dynamics because you can look around and you can say, oh, well, that's, 
That, I think that's the person in charge. You can kind of see how the room reacts to that. You can also see those people over there think they're in charge, but they ain't. <laughs> they want to be in charge, but they ain't. That's the one who's in charge. It's, this is Jesus in that, in that moment. There's something about being around the person who's in charge. If you've ever been on hold talking to customer service somewhere, you're just desperately like, I just want to speak to someone who can make decisions, right? There's something about being around the one who has authority. And this is the first thing that people notice about Jesus. He teaches as one who has authority. He's not just reciting verses. This guy has authority. And not only that, he speaks to sickness and people are healed. He has authority over sickness and the evil spirits This is what we're talking about today. This was item number one of the things that people looked at Jesus and said, whoa, who is this? This is different. This is different. It was his authority. So what we're going to do today in the time we have left, we're going to talk about how this authority that Jesus has affects us. Okay? How this affects us. There's three things. How this impacts us. And the first one is this. Because of Jesus' authority, we have shelter. Okay? We have shelter. Now, there's a story a couple of chapters ahead in, in Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 35. And maybe you've read this story before, Mark 4, verse 35. This is when Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and the storm comes up, and the waves are crashing in, and the boat is filling with water, and Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the disciples wake him up. This is what happens in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says this. If I can find it. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. And they took him along just as he was in the boat. There, was, uh, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Okay, just put your... We read these like fairy tales, but imagine being in the boat, and Jesus says something, and the wind stops. Your reaction would be like his disciples here. He said to the disciples, why were you so afraid? Don't you have, do you have no faith? And they were terrified, and they asked each other, who this, <laughs> right? Who is this? <laughs> What's with that guy? He even spoke, and the wind obeyed him. He has authority over the wind and the waves. That's the first area of life that the authority of Jesus affects us is that we have shelter. What we're learning, and as you read through the gospel of Mark and you read through learning about the life of Jesus, there is nothing that is not under the authority of Jesus, right? There's nothing that's not, that's not under his authority. Everything listens to Jesus, Everything in heaven and earth looks at Jesus and says, oh, that's the guy in charge. That's who we're listening to, right? Sickness, evil spirits, even the storms, the wind and the waves, all bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. So when we are with Jesus, we can rest, have great shelter under his authority knowing, okay, we're with the guy who's in charge. Ever been somewhere where you're trying to get into a room and people are looking at you like, "Uh, who are you? And then you say, oh, I'm actually not here. I'm actually here because this other person, and you name the person. This other person sent me, and they're like, oh, well, in you go, right? That other name was the name that got you in the room. That's what it is with Jesus. We can rest knowing that we are with the guy who is in charge. In charge of what? Everything. Everything. 
We are, with, we are with the best possible care. We have ultimate shelter because we are under the authority of Jesus when he speaks the wind and the waves and the storms obey him. The evil spirits, anything that you are facing opposition with bows in the authority of Jesus. So this gives us, what does this give us? This gives us peace, right? This gives us peace. Is there anything that you are facing today that is not under the authority of Jesus? No. What bows to the authority of Jesus? everything. Is there anything that he is not in charge of? There are zero things he is not in charge of, right? What are you worried about today? Is there anything that you are worried about? You carry, you came into this place today, maybe it was a sickness or a relationship. Christy did a great job leading, just praying the authority of Jesus over these things. Like we bring in all these things that we are fearful of or a battle or a relationship or anything that we are facing. It might even be what's going on in our world today. At no point in the world in the last year, has the Godhead up in heaven been like, oh man, if we could just get rid of this virus, then we could get back to work. You know, at no point is it like, oh, that election, you know, what happened? I thought we at least had America on our side. They're not worried about those things, right? There is nothing that you were worried about, whether it's politics, coronavirus, finances, anything. There is nothing that you are worried about today that is not under the authority of Jesus. So in the midst of the storm, what do we do? Well, we do what the disciples did. We draw near to Jesus. We make sure we're close to Jesus. So I want to encourage you with this. As we're walking through a difficult time, spend less time worrying, spend less time blaming or plotting your own solutions, and spend more of that time just making sure you're close to the guy who's in charge, making sure you're in the same boat as the guy for whom he speaks and the wind dies down. This is what it is to live under the authority of Jesus. It is shelter and peace. So that's the first one, okay? We have shelter. Second one is this. Because of the authority of Jesus, we have authority. This is the amazing part of scripture is that that same authority that Jesus has, he gives to his disciples. He gives to his followers. In Mark chapter 6 verse 7, this is when Jesus begins to send the disciples out without him. He's like, "Okay, you've you've learned enough with me. Now go out." And he says this in Mark chapter 6 verse 7. It says, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them, what? Gave them authority over impure spirits. So all the things that they had seen Jesus do, he speaks and the evil spirits are cast out. Now he's giving his followers that same authority where they can go. They can speak to the evil spirits. They can walk in authority and confidence. Even the Great Commission at the end of the Gospels or the first part of the book of Acts, when Jesus is ascending to heaven, he's leaving the disciples in charge. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now, therefore, go in my name. Go in my name and make disciples. Go in my name and perform miracles. Go in my name and see the wind and the waves die down. This is Jesus giving his authority to his followers. That's me and you. If you're in Christ, you have shelter, but you also have authority. This is great. This is good news. This is us doing things in Jesus' name that causes us to, you know, get into the room or get access or get authority and things. Oh, you're here in Jesus' name. The very evil spirits bow in Jesus' name. The very evil spirits will know who you are when you go in Jesus' name. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' authority. This gives us boldness 
for what we pray for. I want to encourage this church to grow in our prayer. I know when we first start out, it's kind of like kids praying at the end of the night, well, thanks for this, and thanks for that new toy, and help me with this tomorrow, and help me with this. It's, when we get the authority of Jesus, we begin to pray bold prayers. We begin to say, Jesus, break that stronghold of addiction. Break that grip of depression over this family member. We take authority. This is very different, and this is Jesus giving authority to us. When we pray, a lot of people, you know, we pray, and at the end of the prayer, what do we say? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we do that not because we need a, a way to wrap up a prayer. You know, some people have a hard time bringing it in for a landing when they're praying. It's not, that's not the situation. What it's doing is it's reminding us and reminding everything else. We're not praying in my name. We're not praying because of anything I've heard. We're praying in the name of Jesus, who is over everything, right? He's the guy in charge. You look at me, whoa. He's the guy in charge. The wind and the waves, the evil spirits. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we walk in Jesus' name and live in Jesus' name. This changes how we live when we understand the authority that we have in Christ. Right? The authority we have in Christ. It's a great story. Um, when we were in Panama, I think we've told this story. Um, there are certain parts of the world where just you encounter more spiritual warfare, like overt, like that's a person who has an evil spirit in them. And there's been times where we're there in Panama, our mission seems to be there, and it's for whatever reason, there's, there's a darkness there that there are spirits binding people. And there would be times when we'd be praying and people would have evil spirits, and it was very supernatural stuff. And I'll never forget there was one time where there was a, a lady from a church in Minnesota. She had traveled down with us, a pastor, and she's a prayer warrior. And so there was people praying for this person who was battling this evil spirit, and like, oh, please, you know, please, please, please. And she just said, um, hang on a second. We don't ask, we command, right? I loved it. I was like, I'm going to write that down. Well, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> With boldness, in Jesus' name, we have that authority. We have confidence. So I want that to, first thing was we have shelter. I want that to give you like a supernatural peace that we have. Second thing, I want you to walk with boldness because of the authority of Christ. Book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 18. The great verses that talk about this. I was praying this over our church this morning. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. It's what we're talking about today. God placed him in authority over everything and that we have that same power in us. That's amazing. We have that same authority in us. So it's shelter, it's authority. And the third thing is this, because you're thinking, well, how do we do this? How do we, how do we walk in this power? How do I feel that shelter? And the third point is this. Because of his authority, we submit to him. Right? What's under the authority of Jesus? Everything. That's you and me. Okay? That's you and me. He's in charge. And if he's in charge... We're not in charge. Talking about your life. If he's in charge, you're not in charge. There can only be one person in charge. This is what the authority of Jesus means, that he is Lord, that he is Lord. So we bring ourselves in submission to his lordship. 
This is what it means to be in Christ, to be under his authority. We bring ourselves into submission. We obey him. We live a life that honors him. So very practically speaking, as you go through your week today and this, or go through your week this week, every day you're going to be faced with a hundred different choices. Am I going to live like I'm in charge of my life or am I going to live like Jesus is in charge of my life? Am I under his authority or am I running the show myself? If you're running the show yourself, God's going to let you do it. But there's going to be a whole lot of shelter that you're not experiencing. There's going to be a whole lot of authority that you're not experiencing because you're not under the authority of Christ. Does that make sense? So when we face those opportunities, it's every day. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Every day is, here's a choice. Am I going to live like he's in charge? Am I going to honor him? Am I going to honor him in how I respond to others, in how I care for the poor or the stranger or the orphan? in how I react in my family, in how I uh, react to my wife? Am I going to honor him? Am I going to love my family the way he does? Or am I going to think that I'm in charge and do the things that I want to do? How am I spending my time? How do I respond to people who are threatening me? Or how do I respond to enemies? Do I love them or do I fight back? Am I loving my family and my neighbor with humility and service? Am I pouring myself out? Another part of the scripture memory verse later on when Paul says, I pour, I'm being poured out like a drink offering for the kingdom of God so that people could come to know him. And he says, because I, I rejoice. I am glad and I rejoice because I'm doing things for the glory of God. I'm living my life. I'm pouring my life out under his authority. This is the, the crux of the matter for all of us when we follow Jesus. It's going to be, well, am I in charge? Or is Jesus in charge? That's everything. Knowing what he wants and obeying. This is when you come under the authority of Christ. And we can't live however we want. We got so many people in our world living however we want and then coming to church and thinking, well, I, I'm going to walk in boldness and I'm going to find shelter. But you're still living however you want. You're still in charge of your life. You have yet to do the first and foremost thing. Bring your life under his authority and his lordship. We love Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Lord is different because that means we are not anymore. And that's harder. There is a fantastic story in the book of Acts that talks about this. So what's happening? Acts chapter 19. It's the story, story of the seven sons of Sceva. Say that ten times fast. Actually, don't. It would be weird sounding. The seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. Now, Sceva was a Jewish exorcist. And these were his sons. Now, what these guys are thinking is they're seeing Paul and the disciples going around casting out all these demons. And they're thinking, that sounds awesome. We'd like to do that too. So they start going around. And they're like, and, and you get this in the story. I wonder where it is. Okay, I'll just read the story here. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And this is what they would say. These seven sons of Sceva would say this. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. We're going to stop there. In other words, in the name of Jesus, Paul's God. In the name of Jesus, the one that Paul is under the authority of, and these seven sons of Sceva are like, come out of them. They, they want the power, right? They want the power. And then this is where the story gets super awesome. Uh, verse 14, the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Right? I love that. In that moment, these guys are like, oh, we, we, 
we drastically overestimated our power here, right? This is bad news. Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard about, but who are you? And then the story says this. And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that the men ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Okay, great story. Okay. Anytime there's a fight, you know, you're probably looking at me and you're thinking, boy, that's a guy who's been in a lot of fights. <laughs> Anytime there's a fight, you can kind of say, well, this guy got a good punch in there, but the other guy, you know, you should see the other guy, right? It's kind of like everyone kind of lands a fight and you, you can say, well, this maybe that guy technically won the fight. In this case, here's the deal. If you go into a fight and you're wearing pants and at the end of the fight, you got no pants, you lost. You lost the fight. There's no debate. Somebody literally beat your pants off, right? There's no debate over who won that fight. I love that story. But the, the thing that haunts me in that story is this. I don't, I don't want any of us to be like trying to walk in authority and the very darkness that we're trying to push back be like, well, well, Jesus, I know, and I've heard of Pastor Christie, but who are you, right? Who are you? We need to walk under the authority of Christ. These seven sons of Sceva, what were they doing? They were trying to get the power without first bringing their life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They're just describing it as Paul's God. They wanted all that power, and the demon-possessed guy beat him pantsless, literally. Life in our own power, trying to do the things of God, trying to live a life that God honors, trying to do the... Th we, we talked about this last week. We desperately, our world just needs a church that is alive, pushing back the darkness in prayer and in service and, and in evangelism. Trying to do these things without first bringing our life under the authority of Christ. The darkness is going to be like, well, who are you? You're trying to do this in your own name? You're trying to get into this, into this room with your own name? You're not under the authority of Jesus? Who are you? Like those seven sons of Sceva, they wanted the authority without the submission. They wanted the power without the lordship, right? And his lordship over your life is what's going to lead to his power in your life, right? Mm, that's good. That's very tweetable. That's a short, concise thing. You know, all the kids are doing that these days. They, they preach something and they make it a little quick sentence that you can remember. That was good. There should be a, mm-hmm, that's good. His lordship over your life leads to his power in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Yes. You're, you're walking through life, and there might be something you're saying, God, why can't I get victory over this? I've been praying for this. This thing has been causing me to fear. This thing that I've been battling against, why can't I get victory over this? And you're trying to walk in authority that you don't have because you don't, you're not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is step number one. Bring your life under his authority. Bring your life into submission to him. When you walk in his authority, you walk with all authority. And the very demons will know your name. That's cool to think about. The darkness that we are trying to impact, the spiritual darkness that we're trying to battle. People are going to be like, well, I know Jesus, and I know them too, and they're here in Jesus' name. This is going to be impacting faith in our city, in our community. This is impacting. It doesn't happen when you're in charge. It happens when you're under the authority of the one who is in charge of everything. This is the thing that the disciples and the followers of Jesus first looked at and said, whoa, who is this? This is different. This is authority over everything. 
over the wind and the waves and the storm and the evil spirits and the darkness and everything bows under his authority. The memory verses that we are doing in Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. That's you and me. We got to start there. We got to start there. Put him in charge of your life and you will experience shelter. You will experience authority. You'll be able to pray and you'll be able to see the darkness get pushed back. You'll be able to see answers to your prayer because you're not doing it in the name of somebody else's God. You're doing it in the name of Jesus who is Lord of your life. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we recognize what we have in you. We recognize that you are in charge, that you are the ultimate authority, that God has placed you above all things, every spirit, every ruler, every person, every enemy, every storm that we will face is all under your authority. So I thought we could do this. There's a couple things we could do this morning. Let's just take a moment. And if you're in that category of you're in a boat by yourself trying to encounter the storm and you have yet to bring yourself under the shelter and authority of Jesus Christ. You've yet to give your life to him. Just take a moment right now and do that. Whatever that looks like, just begin to say, Jesus, you are Lord over my life and I want to follow you. I want to put you in charge. I confess my sins and I receive your mercy, but it's more than just receiving mercy. It's now you are in charge of my life and I walk with shelter and peace and confidence because of your authority. And the second thing we can do is maybe you are here in a storm and you need a word from our Lord to calm the storm. Let's begin to just pray right now in authority. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we bind addictions. We bind depression and anxiety the grip of the enemy that is going to try to grab hold of this generation of young people in darkness and fear and anxiety in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, heaven will prevail. Strongholds will be moved. So Lord, we rest in, in that confidence knowing that we are with you and you are in charge. So for every circumstance, for every darkness, for every fear, for every worry, I pray that, that the authority of Christ would reign, that you would speak peace, that you would speak truth, that you would break chains, that you would drive back the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us walk in this confidence, that you would help us live with you as Lord of our life. us to push back the darkness. Use us to bring the light, even just as simple as inviting someone to church or sharing about our faith. As simple as praying in, with boldness for our neighbors, for our family members. Lord, help us to grow in that. We want to walk as your followers with authority, with purpose, and with a calling. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks everyone for being here today. So glad you're with us. Again, uh, think about who you can invite on Easter. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.